0: It was 9,000 people in there, and it was a party atmosphere.
1: Their second line is their first line. That The second line had a great game.
0: Have you guys ever seen someone miss out on a hat trick in a more frustrating <laughs> way? Would it be that bad to try someone other than Uncle Leo on that line? Doink. Nope. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice. The Islanders move on to the second round episode. Episode 91, the Butch Goring episode. It's Newsday's New York Islanders podcast. Yes, it's episode 91 after the Islanders eliminate the Penguins in six games with a 5-3 victory coming back from uh, one goal deficits three times before uh, cracking the game open with uh, three goals in the span of about three minutes, including two goals within the span of 13 seconds. And they they send the Penguins into the offseason. And now we just wait to see what the Islanders' schedule is for the second round against the Boston Bruins to determine the champion of the East Division. Hi, I'm your host, Andrew Gross of Newsday, and I am on Twitter. At Agros Newsday, and also via Newsday Islanders text, where you can get in touch with me one on one. And that's texting 631 303 3766. That's 631 303 3766. Or you can go to newsday.com backslash Isles text for your 14 day trial subscription. And as always during the playoffs, I am joined by Mi Amigos. Neil Best at SportsWatch on Twitter, and Colin Stevenson at Colin S. Newsday, and we'll start right here. The Islanders beat the Penguins in six games, and I'm going to read you the staff predictions for this (laughs) series. We'll start with me because I might have been the worst of them. Um, I picked the Islanders to win in seven, and I wrote I suspect that the Penguins' goaltending will not be suspect at all. But I also suspect the playoff-tested Islanders will still find a way to win. Well, eh, wrong. The Penguins' goaltending, Tristan Jerry, was awful in that series. Now we move on to Neil Best, who uh, was the eternal optimist picking the Islanders in five. And he, he had a good take on it. Their goaltending is far better, and their defensive structure is capable of discombobulating anyone, including Sidney Crosby, and I I think that's a, a fairly good take on what happened. But now, let's get to Colin Stevenson, who said, ding, 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 the Islanders in six, because, Colin said, the best goalie and the best defense usually wins in the playoffs. The Penguins' goaltending is simply untrustworthy. So is their defense, really. So Colin, let's start with you. You can take a victory lap on this one. Did you we, get we picked you the did? Islanders? It's not like somebody picked the
2: Islanders to not win. Yes, yeah, you know.
0: Well, you you hit them in six and you hit the right reasons and you you have been uh you've been the charter member of the Tristan Jarry players hater club.
2: And you know what? <laughs> I feel bad about how much I have dogged this guy because I have been, I, you're right, I have really been anti-Tristan Jarry from day one. And it's not personal, I assure you. I, I just didn't believe in him. You know, what can I say?
0: Yeah, and I, I think, I mean, it came probably to a tipping point way before that. But when Brock Nelson scores his second goal by just dribbling it through Jerry's pads. At at that point, you know, I I know the Penguins didn't have anyone else to turn to. Casey DeSmith uh, never dressed in the series, and uh, Max Legacy, you know, they're they're not going to trust him, but, you know, it it really came down to uh, goaltending and defense and and the Islanders' resiliency and being able to come back from one goal deficits a lot. In this series,
1: I thought after that second Nelson goal, I I understand the problem with their backups, but still, I mean, the guy is still the backup is still a professional hockey player. I I thought they'd pull him after the second Nelson goal. That was at that point. It was like ridiculous.
2: Well, Something to that effect. I was like, they got to pull him down, don't they? And then, and then they didn't. And then they sent Legacy (laughs) down the runway to go stretch out. And then he came back. I was like, Okay. Well, at least Darry didn't allow
1: any more goals after that, so maybe it sure. was the right decision.
0: Well, Neil, I, I I actually turned to you. He made a pretty a couple of pretty decent saves with about like you know five three minutes left in regulation. <laughs> I turned to Neil and I said, "Now he makes a save." <laughs> <You know. laughs>
1: I mean, you know, look. Even though you know we well, not just us, but a lot of people were right about the goaltending issue with the Penguins. You know, when you look at the totality of this series, it was a very evenly matched series, and you know the biggest game, the biggest moment to me is is certainly Game Five, where the Islanders stole a game they shouldn't have won in double overtime, and that changed everything. Uh, but, and, and so that was a weird. You know the Islanders were the worst team that day, but won anyway. But if you look at the entire series, it was two very evenly matched teams, and yeah, the Islanders had better goaltending, uh, better timeliness of goals, and they certainly deserved to win. But um, yeah,
0: it was an, it was an even series. Do, do, do I need to ask you guys who starts a net for the Islanders in game one in Boston?
1: I mean, no. Well, you can ask, but <laughs> we'll answer I'm like Barry Trotz. Um, well, I mean, Sorokin was not perfect in game six, certainly. But, you know, you have to – the guy's 4-0 in his NHL career in and the playoffs, and he, was four, and he won his last four in the KHL. So, yeah, I don't think you could take him out right now.
0: No, no, I, I, I agree. I, I'm just – I'm funny you because I, know,
1: I, know. I actually, I was watching, of course I was watching the players closely as they left the ice because I was writing about the fans and all that stuff. And uh, first I saw Sorokin clapping for the fans and then, but I thought it was interesting. The last, One of the last guys off the ice was Semyon Verlamov who was also clapping for the fans and waving and just having a grand old time. So, you know, I, I, I do believe uh, Barry Trotz when he says what a good, teammate Varlamov has been to Sorokin and also just sort of in general, but um, yeah, Sorokin was, he he was the better goalie in game, in game six. That's for sure.
2: Here's the, here's the real question. Do you think Varlamov will play again at some point in this postseason? In other words, do you think that Sorokin either will have a bad game or, you know, for some reason need to come out?
0: No, I, I, I absolutely believe, and I was talking uh, before I left the Coliseum, uh, which was one other reason why I was almost late for our uh, late Zoom date here to record this episode. I was talking with Brian Compton of NHL.com, who's been a, a guest on the Island Ice podcast, and we were discussing that very topic, and, and my belief is that absolutely Varlamov, you will see Varlamov, again, at some point in, I, I, in the series, I, I believe it's, you know, and, and that's not taking anything away from Ilya Sorokin, but I, I just, you know, the Bruins boy, the Bruins are going to be, you know, you, you always step up in class, but, but the Bruins with their perfection line and then the way they stretch out their lineup with Taylor Hall on that second line and, and Taylor Hall, by the way, has just been, you know, he's been money against the Islanders since uh, being traded to uh to Boston. So I you know they also, I, have, a goal, they also have a goalie. They, <laughs> duress, <laughs> they, they have two so goalies, Neil. Yeah.
2: You know, what's his name? Halak is still there too, and he's not even dressing because that, that kid that they called up from the minors is was so good. So
0: Jeremy Swayman who yeah, yeah. Who, yeah. who by who by the way pitched a shutout against the Islanders this season in his fifth NHL start. So
1: so there you go. Well, when you talk about Varlamov, obviously that would mean, you know, an injury or some blip on on Soroka's performance. But the, the, that is a key point, though. That's the difference in the Islanders and the Penguins. If Soroka runs into trouble, they have somewhere to go. You know, the Penguins had nowhere to go. So right, uh, you know, I don't know whether Varlamov is going to play or not, but the, I think the key point is Trotz would not hesitate to use him.
0: No, absolutely not. And, uh, you know, to be to be honest, I was even thinking, you know, two of the goals against uh, uh, Sorokin uh, were on deflections, two of the three goals in, in game six. You know, he got screened and pucks were bouncing. But at one point it was, what, two goals on seven shots. I think it wound up being three goals on the first 11 shots against him. Um, and, and he did – go on to, he made 34 saves. Uh, you know, the Penguins, Penguins took 28 shots in, in the in the last two periods and, and they only got one goal out of that. So he stopped 27 at 28, you know, in, in, over the last 40 minutes. You know, Sorokin was good again tonight, but at one point when it was, you know, three goals on 11 shots, even though there were deflections there, I'm thinking, you know, the Islanders could come back and win this game. And I could see Barry going to Varlamov in game one against Boston. But, you know, after Sorokin stopped 27 to 28, you know, over the last two periods, I, I think that probably puts that to rest a little bit.
1: Yeah, I thought the only, you know, goal you could quite, the first goal was not a great, you know, not a great goal for Sorokin. But yeah, other than that, he was solid again.
0: Yeah, no. I actually thought he was the Islanders' best player through the first period, even though he let up those two goals. I mean, he it could have been you know you hear this all the time with goaltenders. It could have been worse, but
1: I, I don't know what you have scheduled in your carefully crafted agenda. But I, I blow it. I blow that up all the time anyway. So I, I wanted to say a hawk. Yeah, I keep writing about the fans, and I'm sure we'll get to that and the great atmosphere. And that is, I mean, I don't mind writing about that because that is a big part of what's going on here and it's a great story and that's we should be writing about the atmosphere and the coliseum all that however my hockey observation for the day is that you know their second line is their first line that the second line had a great game all three of those guys and we know the first line's been a little you know you know not as great but um I'm just, I, I, just, I mean, it's been building for a while here. This is not like it came out of nowhere, but I was just, so, you know, the, the goal were all three of them, part, you know, had a part of it. Um, you know, the, I guess that was the first Nelson goal, and Bovillier had another great, you know, showed his speed again, blowing past Sidney Crosby. Yeah, That that unit is looking really good right now.
0: Yeah, well, let, let, let's go through the Islanders' scoring leaders through uh, six playoff games, and Anthony Bovillier, who uh, – you know, he's uh, he's scored goals now, what, in three straight games and has a four-game point streak, I, I believe. He finished that series with three goals and four assists. And uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot also had seven points in the series. He did it on one goal and six assists. And then you got Brock Nelson, who had three and three, and Josh Bailey, who had three and three um so you know they, they they're your scoring leaders and 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 after that you know uh Kyle Palmieri had three goals in the series uh Scott Mayfield had one in three the, the the first guy you find from the uh from the top line is Jordan Eberly, who had two goals and an assist and then Matthew Barzell had three assists in the series without a uh without a goal, and then uh, uh, Leo Komarov had one assist. So yeah, you know, Br- Brock Nelson's line, you know, really drove the engine in terms of uh, offensive production.
1: And, and Beau- Beauvillier, look, I'm not here to, I'm not gonna dump on Barzell here, but 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 it is just interesting to watch. They're both, he and, and Beauvillier are obviously both very fast, but the north-south versus east-west thing was so evident today when Beauvillier, again, like just blows by Sidney Crosby, and he blew by people, uh, you know, the last game, too. He's just, he's really, imp- I mean, to me, um, he, he might be the most impressive guy to me in the entire team, just in terms of uh, the skill set he brings to it and how productive he's
0: been. And it's sort of a repeat of what he, he did in the playoff bubble last season. Because, I mean, the, the Nelson-Beauvillier-Bailey uh, line was their, was their best line through that playoff run as well you know so it, 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 this this is not necessarily surprising and by the way <laughs> have you guys ever seen someone miss out on a hat trick in a more frustrating way <laughs> that
1: was that was that was sad because I, I you know clearly any of the three of us would have scored that goal in that situation i don't know what the heck happened to well, yeah, he
0: you know in the second period with the game still in the balance he gets a breakaway he goes wide on that that would have completed the hat trick and then it's an empty net and he, he hits the post on that you know and and bovillier they, they were kind of playing back and forth. Yeah, you shoot, no, you shoot, no, you shoot. And Bo finally gave it to Nelson and was like, could you just put it in and get your hat trick here? And doink, nope.
1: That was amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the other thing was Brock Nelson was an absolute quote machine after the game, which was fantastic. You know, speaking from cool. a sports writer, you know, we, we usually <laughs> rely so heavily on Barry Trotz You know for post-game quotes and I I found when I was writing today most of my quotes came from Brock Nelson so Brock thank you for making my job a little bit easier Uh, first star of the game first star of the game yeah that's my
1: my only rooting interest at this stage of my career is I root for guys who are good quotes
0: I got to tell you, I, it is an absolute truism. Sports writers do not root. I mean, that's first day of journalism school. Do not root. Do not have a rooting interest. I was rooting not to drive back to Pittsburgh tomorrow. <laughs> no, 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 no.
1: That, you're not allowed to root for. I'm you're allowed to root for you. Yeah, you are absolutely allowed to root for yourself. That's I'm what we allowed love. to root for yourself. I was
0: I was rooting for myself. If I could have put money up on the Islanders board today to drive back to Pittsburgh, I I would have done that. But listen, you know, you brought it up before, Neil. And, uh, you know, uh, you and I were in the building. Colin was uh, was at home. So let's start with Colin here. Yeah. How did it come through on the TV? Because it was 9,000 people in there, and it was a party atmosphere from, you know, warm-ups through, through the celebration at the end of the game. And I'm just wondering how that translated, you know, to people. I thought it was good. I, I thought it sounded
2: great. I mean, you know, it reminded me uh, when, when they were sing- when all the fans were singing, it reminded me of, a, of an English soccer game, Premier League soccer game. Um, you know they sang the Josh Bailey song and then uh, you know they were singing something else and you know the ho, ho, you know that Yankee Stadium bleachers thing that they do uh, you know it sounded like it really was a lot of fun and um, you know it, it, it was I think I think that did come through on television obviously not like uh, like it would have if you were there but I mean also it's 30,000 out of 14,000 Capacity is uh, is pretty close to full in this day and age. So, uh, yeah. and the acoustics in that building are amazing. So yeah. it's uh, you know I'm not surprised. I mean it's it's, bad. it's certainly better than the, than the, the old days when they were pumping in crowd noise when they when they actually had a crowd and still were pumping in crowd noise. That was. Uh, that was- I, I,
0: I thought my I thought my friend Brian Compton uh, again of NHL.com asked a very funny question to Barry. <laughs> rots asking him about what the uh, you know what it was like to play in front of that crowd compared to you know early in the season as brian said when you were playing in front of me andrew and christian and that was it you know so <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah you just like the name recognition you got uh, you know yeah i think it's well, going to be putting well, your brand as it were
1: I think it's going to be interesting to see for the you know games three and four against Boston whether they try to ramp it up more because
0: I, I, I absolutely believe there's going to be more than nine thousand people think, in there.
1: Well, and I think p- part of it is because they should um, because that that vac- that unvaccinated section is still all those empty seats seem a little strange to me, but but, but I think also because of what the Knicks have done, you, you know that is going to be. Part of the impetus is like what you know people are like wait a minute i don't understand why is madison square garden full why can't we be full and obviously they took an, another step in that direction in, in uh game six but I, you know I, what why yeah, not can further you explain it to me why is madison
2: square garden full like,
1: I, I, well like we discussed on the last pod i've given up trying to understand all these nuances of the world no, I,
0: only I because vaccinated they, people or, no they're, they're only letting in vaccinated people
1: okay Right. So, I mean, you, presumably there's pressure on the Islanders to do that, or, or at the very least, you know, take another step from 9,000 to, you know, 11,000. Like, I don't know. It, it could be, the vaccinated section grew in game six relative to games three and four, and I think it should grow more against mm-hmm. Boston.
0: I, I think if they could grow it to nine thousand, you know, and and as you mentioned, Neil on the on the last episode, sort of you know on the fly overnight, last minute, they they managed to bump it from sixty eight hundred to nine thousand. You know, they 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 probably got about a week here before they get back for games three and four. I I certainly suspect that you know we're I I would have to guess that we're going to be you know, maybe another couple of thousand more in there. You know, I, I think we're getting pretty close to it being a full coliseum here.
2: I think you know, the thing is, you're kind of getting dangerously close, I think, if you're the Islanders, <laughs> into getting involved in this vaccinated versus anti-vaccinated people and, you know... You, you you are you are, but
1: again, the Knicks kind of blazed that trail to make it a little easier for other teams to go. Well, wait a minute, it's working at the Garden. We're just going to do the same thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're just setting the protocols for your own building. It's it's not discrimination or anything like that. You're just saying if you got a shot, come on in. If you don't got a shot, go get a shot. Then you can come on in. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: uh, All right. Anyway, well, it's, it yeah, was I, I, I didn't,
0: I didn't think that last <laughs> sentence was going to be the one that put Colin away for the rest of the night. Well, well,
1: but well, well, Colin was mentioning the songs, you know. Um, Barzell came so close to scoring like seconds after they sang "Happy Birthday" to him.
0: Cody, played... C- Cody, Cece did a great job on that play, getting okay. his stick on and, and okay. deflecting that, that the puck.
1: Been, that would have been a great moment after. Like right oh, after this, well, been,
0: wow! And, and look, you know, I mean, all kidding aside, don't you think Barzy could have used that going into the next series, getting at least one goal here?
1: Well, he did have he had a chance late in the game after some crazy, crazy Barzy move, but um, yeah, I mean, if they could get him involved, obviously that would be a huge boost. Yeah, so-
2: but you know what? I mean, like, if they do this right, there's plenty of time for him to get involved. Mm-hmm. 21 more games. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh, so, I, mean, I mean, when this thing started, I said we were going to do 28 of them. Now we're down to 27 because there's no game seven. So,
0: Right. I'm awful at math. I'll take your word for it.
1: Seven is our maximum now. That's it.
0: I'm just worried about game one in Boston and when that is. And we think it's going to be Saturday or Sunday. We're not sure. The NHL hasn't released that schedule as of this recording, but we got to think that they're going to get that, that series going this weekend. And looking ahead to that series, give me, you know, we'll, we'll start with Colin and then we'll go to Neil, but Colin, give me two things. The Islanders have to get done against Boston and they have to do better against Boston than they did against the Penguins.
2: Uh, Well, obviously, the obvious thing is that they can't start as slowly as they did for so many games in this series, Uh, even tonight. Um, And I I didn't think they started slowly. They gave up the first goal, but it wasn't a slow start because I think they were they were, yeah, they had the better of play. You know, they gave up the first goal, which was didn't seem to phase them at all and stuff. But you know, you'd like to get a, a, a better start, which means. You know, if it's if it's that identity line that's going out there and and not getting things started, then maybe you start with the with the Nelson line, um, you know, which seems to be on fire. So, you know, maybe maybe you try that. Um, I'm I'm curious to, you know, they're getting scoring out of, you know, was it Scott Mayfield had one tonight.
0: No, no, Ryan Pulak had one. Pulak,
2: I'm sorry, Pulak had one tonight. So they're getting uh, – they got two goals out of him in, in the first six games of the postseason after two goals in 56 games or whatever. So, um, you know, a little bit more scoring from, from the defense would be good. And, you know, obviously, you you know, this is not better than, than, than what they got in the first round, but they're going to need for Sorokin to keep – keep this thing going for a while. And and then and then you mentioned Barzell. I mean he's got to join the party at some point as well.
0: And and Neil, anything you're looking for the islanders to do against the Bruins?
1: Well obviously, you know, we assume against the Bruins the goalie's not going to help them out the way that it happened. No, too, that's a different thing.
0: Trucarasque is quality.
1: I, I mean would it be that bad to try someone other than Uncle Leo on that line? Like I I mean I don't I don't they tried it i understand the reasoning behind it but it doesn't seem to be producing when you watch out dynamic that second line is why why can't why not try something else like what's what do you have to who else? who else you got I don't, know. I don't know
0: i don't know well we we discussed this on the last episode and and you know we 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 both we all thought that oliver wallstrom would not be able to play in this game and he, he was not Barry Trotz calls him a game-time decision. He didn't skate in the morning. He didn't partake in the pregame warm-ups. Travis Zajac came out, played his best game as an Islander. I mean, I mean, and, and by, a, by a long distance, I would think. You know, he wins a key face-off and then sets a screen to set up Pulak's goal. He, he swipes a puck off the goal line to prevent, a, you know, Kaspari Kapanen from being able to score. Um,
2: that was awesome by the way,
0: yeah. And and you know what, the the the, the Pajot Palmieri, uh, uh, Zajac line, as much as we we praise the uh the the Nelson line, that that Pajot line was really significantly good in game six. And so now, you know, now you got Travis Zajac. And you know, if 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 Wallstrom is able to come back. It, you know, do you take a Travis Zajac out of the lineup at this point?
2: That is an interesting question. Depends on when Wallstrom is coming back. I do think that you know, to be honest, you know, and Barry said it a couple times. I think he said it in the post game, and I think he might have said it in the in the pregame as well. That you know, like he's a loyal guy, and he trusts these guys, and he's going to ride with these guys who have grinded for him for three years now, is he yeah. said. And Komarov is one of those guys. So uh, if, if what you're saying is, yes, we want to keep Travis Ajak in the lineup and Leo has got to come out. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure that Barry's prepared to do that. just yet. Here's,
0: here's, here's one other fact. Here's one other factor. I'm sorry to cut you off there, but you keep Leo in the lineup for, for this, if for no other reason than to get under Brad Marchand's skin, you know, yeah let him lick, him lick him in the face again, you know, just get, you know, get Brad Marchand off off his game because that perfection line has the potential to be the difference maker in the series, no matter how good Ilya Sorokin is. So, I mean, if, if Leo's sole purpose is, is to annoy the heck out of number 63, then, then you keep him in the lineup. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, that's, to me, that, is the, that guy is the
2: key to Boston, right? That Marchand guy because he's, he's not a goon. He's not a thug. He's a good player who just, you know, annoys people. I was going to say something else, but, but he annoys people and he does stuff that really drive people crazy. So if you can neutralize him by having somebody else that's just going to annoy him, you know, beat him at his own game or at least play him to a stalemate at his own game, you know, I, I think that's that's something you want in your lineup, and I think Uncle Leo, our friend, who and and Neil, I'm I'm kind of disappointed in you because like I think it was maybe two episodes ago, you guys were seeing the praises of Leo Komarov, and I was the one saying, "What is this?"
0: We all love Leo.
2: I, <laughs> I, I, I you guys, so. you guys have a love. Game. No, I
1: I believe I said that I like (laughs) Leo and what he brings to the table. I do not like him as the left wing on a Stanley Cup winning hockey team. On the first left wing on the first line of a Stanley Cup winning hockey team. That's
2: what I so, so so then if you're saying is he are you taking him out of the lineup? Or are you just moving on?
1: I'd ideally, ideally, I'd like to have them around. I just think it's, you know, and we've seen it now with that first line. There's there's an issue there. I'm sorry. It's not producing as much as most first lines of Stanley Cup type teams produce. That's all. I don't know. The second line is made up for it. And the third line has too, I guess. So they, they just won a series. So great. You know, we'll see what happens next.
0: Well, the Islanders went 5-2-1 and one against the Bruins, but the Bruins were the more dominant team after acquiring Taylor Hall from the Sabres on April 12th. And that, you know, just uh, pairing Hall with David Krejci just lengthens the lineup so much, you know, after, you know, the, the, the Bruins had really been this, you know, one great line Bergeron between Marchand and David Pasternak. And now having Taylor Hall... Uh, there too, just you know, lengthens the lineup and and really creates much more defensive matchups. And, and the three games the the Islanders played against the Bruins after the Taylor Hall trade. Now remember, the first four times the teams played were all at Nassau Coliseum. The Islanders won all four. All four. All four of those games were tied going into the third period before the Islanders were were. were you know, dominant in the third period against them. But after the Bruins get Taylor Hall, on April 15th, uh, they beat the Islanders 4-1 at Boston, even though uh, Varlamov set a season high uh, that night with 41 saves. Bruins go up 2-0 in the first period. They outchanced the Islanders 33-11, and Barry Trotz later called the effort unacceptable. Um, By the way, Travis Zajac scored his first and only goal as an Islander in that game, but Taylor Hall's third period goal was his first with the Bruins, and then on April 16th, the next night, uh, the Bruins win 3-0, and that's what I referenced earlier, rookie goalie Jeremy Swayman comes in, makes 25 saves in his fifth career start. Um, And and that game turned as David Pasternak scores with 2.4 seconds left in the first period against Ilya Sorokin, um, who made 25 saves. And then Taylor Hall scored 47 seconds into the second period. And then finally, uh, Islanders uh, wrapped it up uh, May 10th. And that was a a Bruins 3-2 overtime win at Boston. Hall, yet again, scores on the power play in the first period. And he scores the overtime winner against Sorokin. And Sorokin was only playing that game because uh, Varlamov uh, exited after two periods with that unspecified strain um, that bled into the playoffs and led uh, Barry Trotz to start Ilya Sorokin in game one in Pittsburgh, which, you know, turned out to be 39 saves and an overtime win. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, just putting a bow on the, uh, on the Islanders penguins series, you get two overtime wins in in Pittsburgh. Um, and, and the goaltending is really the difference and, and the Islanders resiliency really being able to recover from bad starts, you know, is the reason they win. Otherwise it, it's kind of a, you know, even series in a lot of ways. Um, But, you know, and and it was funny Uh, when I was driving back from Pittsburgh after game five, uh, which was the other day, I'm listening to Pittsburgh radio. And, you know, I I know, you know, as as New York media, you know, covering the Islanders where we nitpick things we see in the team we're covering. So, you know, we we can be accused of being somewhat negative towards a, a team that wins a playoff series. Well, you had to listen to what the Pittsburgh media, uh, at least on the radio sports talk, and and the callers were saying about the Penguins. You would have thought they had finished behind the Buffalo Sabres in the East Division. And, you know, the talk is they got to trade Evgeny Malkin. They got to get rid of Chris Letang. They got to fire their coach. You know, that they got to break this down. And, and of course, they want a different goalie. and, And, you know, now they're Going back several seasons and, and and second guessing why former GM Jim Rutherford, you know, got rid of marc Andre Fleury.
1: So there was a lot of negativity among the Pittsburgh media sitting behind us in <laughs> the Coliseum. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Mark Andre Fleury, by the way, gave up three goals in the end game six uh, for for the goal of the nights. Now they're going to game seven. So
0: well, and they and they have Robin Leonard to turn to possibly. Look, let, let, let me just ask it this way, because this is an Islanders podcast, but this is now two or three years where the Islanders have eliminated the Penguins in the first round. Are, are we ready to call it for the Pittsburgh Penguins? Uh, they've had a brilliant run. You know, they've won three Stanley Cups with with Sid Crosby, and I'm not suggesting Sidney is going to finish his career anywhere else but Pittsburgh, but is is it time for this crew to kind of you know should Pittsburgh be sending out a letter to I was about state? to mention the letter. <laughs> yes, it's time for the letter. How different a Pittsburgh team do you think we're going to see next season? I've been reading that uh
2: the coach Mike Sullivan could could be uh asked to leave or to Yeah.
0: And th- and that would be more on phil- phil- philosophical differences with, you know, new team uh, president, Brian Burke, and new team GM, Ron Hextall, as to, you know, getting bigger, stronger players in. And, and, you know, Sully likes playing this kind of, you know, European, you know, kind of free skating, you know, have the defenseman pinch in and always press the attack type of game. So I I think that would be more based on philosophical differences because I think Sully might have done his best coaching job since he's gotten to Pittsburgh and he's won two cups there uh, this season with, with all the injuries and, 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 you know, turmoil they have in net to get them where he, they were.
2: If you go back to before the season started and we were making our season predictions, I did not believe the Penguins would even make the playoffs. And uh, you know, they won the division, toughest division in hockey. And they, and they ended up on top, which, you know, probably just speaks to the fact that all the teams beat each other up. But, But the point is, somebody had to finish first, and they did. So, yes, I think he did do a good job. And uh, uh, from what I've read, uh, if he were to be parting ways with the Penguins, there's a team uh, in Manhattan that might be very interested in uh, wanting to talk to him. So, you know, he won't be out of work for
0: very long. No, no, he it's it sort of i think he'd be like Barry Trotz when he hit the open market you know open and shut case, basically, so uh neil, you got any thoughts no. on the uh on the uh penguins and what we might see?
1: I have no thoughts on that. I'm just focused on the Bruins
0: okay, well
1: i mean i i i don't you know
0: well let me let me, let
1: me just, is looking ahead, so I am too.
0: Let me ask one more Pittsburgh related question and then we'll uh, get off of this, but
1: losing Neil, Andrew, make it quick. No, yeah, the Penguins are, yeah, the Penguins, I'm done with them. They were, they were. No, 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 no. This, this
0: is an NHL question here. No, I
1: understand. No, I'm just saying the Penguins, I think, I guess I feel like they're like their media and their sports talk hosts. I'm just sort of disgusted with them and I don't even want to think about them anymore.
0: Okay. Well, Look, we we Sidney Crosby has been the face of the franchise forever, right? um if yeah. Danny Malkin has you know ridden you know he's been the wingman for all these years he's got one year left on his deal. he does have a no movement clause it's a it's a cap hit of 9.5 million. Do you think Brian Burke and Ron Hextall can find a trade partner someone, around the NHL who would be willing to take on Malkin and that cap hit for one season. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Flat salary cap. There's teams that,
2: uh, that could use some star power. There's a team in the the capital of Canada, I believe that probably has some, some, uh, cap space. Um, and probably could could use a, a first line center or or a top six center anyway. Uh, there's a team that's not very far from Pittsburgh, in fact, in Western New York, um, that is looking or not looking to, but may be forced to move its number one center. Um, so I mean, they're they're you know I'm not saying he's gonna go. You know, he's got. 31 other teams that that that'd be interested in, in getting of getting Malkin but there's there's people out there that'll take him and you know if they retain some of the salary and stuff he should be able to
0: I, I I'm not 100% sure what the Edmonton Oilers cap situation is but you know they they were talking after being swept by the Jets of they can't surround their core with just young players they need playoff tested players and you know, Malkin would be an interesting fit up there too. I, I would think.
2: Absolutely. Can we talk about Boston now before Neil falls asleep?
0: Well, yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> this, is
2: the,
1: this is the first time since 1983 that the Islanders are playing the Bruins in the playoffs.
0: Get they, out of here! For real? They've only played two times in the playoffs, both during the uh, the Islanders Cup runs. They played in '80. They had to beat the big bad Bruins. They uh when that when Gillies really beat the heck out of Terry O'Reilly twice. Yep that I that was that series. That was four one and then in eighty three, uh before they they got to the Edmonton Oilers in the Cup final, they uh they beat um the Bruins in six games in the semis. But those are the only two times. These teams have played in the postseason. So, and in the,
1: in the Islanders four wins in 1983. They scored five, seven, eight, and eight goals in those four games. So, I'd be surprised if that happened this time. Yeah, five, seven, eight, and eight.
0: Different, different sport. Much different sport. Oh. Uh,
1: I, I, I want to put Andrew on the spot here because I know all Islanders fans are going to be looking forward to his position by position matchup package, whenever that's running. Um, who are you going to say has the edge in goal?
0: That's, that's a really good question. I know. That's why I asked it. I, I am probably, probably going to give the edge to the Islanders because – because I said going in before these playoffs start, I, I said I would take Sorokin and Varlamov over any other two in the East division. I mean, I think, you know, for sure we saw that with what the Capitals did in the first round against the uh, uh, the, the Bruins. And for sure, we saw that with, with Pittsburgh and it, it's, it's really close uh, because look, Tukarask you know, is a, uh, is a cup worthy and, you know, goalie, right. You know, he, he's done it before. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I like Barlamo Sorokin a little bit better than Rask plus, you know, Halak or Jeremy Swayman. And, you know, maybe that's just because I see these two guys more than I see those two guys, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to give the edge to, to the Islanders there. Now, you know, forwards, no, no question. The, the, the Bruins have the edge up front. Um, defense is, is pretty even. Charlie McAvoy is a, is a Norris Trophy candidate for sure this season. And,
1: and a Long Islander.
0: I, I might give the Islanders a little bit of an edge defensively just because the Bruins have been so beat up back there. Don't give um,
2: it all away, Andrew. You gotta you gotta make people buy the paper. We're happy they've listened this long to this. <laughs> <box>.
0: <laughs> Seriously. Give them something. <laughs> I mean, they're not getting in a drum solo at 1:30 in the morning, so give them something. Oh, your wife, your wife would really
1: enjoy that right now. Do the drum solo again. My
0: my wife is is one of the best roadies of all time. She when, when I used to gig out, she would help me, she would set up the kit with me. She'd,
2: not she'd at 1:30 in the morning.
0: Well, yeah. I mean,
2: it was many years ago too, I'm guessing.
0: When you played clubs, it's not always an early gig. All right. Well. <laughs> so anyway, talking about not giving it all away, let's uh, let's wrap it up this way. Um, series predictions
1: just that we're not going to give what? it what
0: well no i mean this is this is the this is the episode that's going to lead into the uh the bruins uh second round series it's not like we're getting back together again tomorrow night right. to talk about it
1: i got the bruins in six okay
0: bruins in six why
1: well they, they have really good forwards as you just said they have a lot of firepower and they have a better goalie than pittsburgh does and I mean, you know, the Islanders are obviously a very good team with a lot of character and resiliency, but I just think Boston has more more weapons and, and a good enough bully and I think they'll win in six. Of course, if, if they do win in six, that would mean closing the Coliseum with a clinching loss, which would be kind of depressing.
0: Colin, what do you
2: got? You know, I was going to say Bruins in five, but Neil's kind of, you know, making a lot of sense to me here. Six games probably sounds good to me, too. Yeah, I'm Nah, I'm going to go Bruins at five. Wow. Again, two games at the Collie,
0: and that's I, it.
1: I hope the Islanders fans didn't get this far in the podcast because now they're all bummed out.
0: You know, I, I, I almost feel like I have to pick the Islanders now just to balance you guys out. Um, you, could
2: take, you could take Bruins in seven. That's available. My,
0: my, my, my instinct was to take the Bruins in six. That that was my first instinct. And I think I I just feel like that top line plus Taylor Hall is going to tip the balance. And I think the goaltending, you know, even if the Islanders goaltending is a little bit better, it's still, you know, it, it's it's kind of gonna be, you know, a, a, a wash one way or the other. And I think just the, the, the Bruins, you know, ability to, to score, Pasternak, um, the way that top line works. I, You know, to me, the Bruins just have cup final written all over them this season, um, you know, barring further injuries. So, you know, I, I hate to be the guy who's not taking the Islanders here, but I, I, I think the Bruins are, are, are on a kind of a special run right now.
1: But if, if, if the Islanders draw inspiration from us picking against them, then the fans will be happy with us because we helped drive the Islanders to victory.
2: Yeah, but that'll take a couple of weeks before that happens. In the meantime, our name is mud right now. That's fine. We got it right in the first round.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nope. Holland got it perfectly oh, right. Yeah,
1: whatever. Come on. It's, we're, just, we're just here just kind of observing things. We have, we have no effect on the outcome. <laughs>
0: we'll finish this way neil true or false my name is mud is the name of a song by a band called primus
1: i'm gonna say um false
0: <sighs> true
2: it's true that you got it right
0: no it's true primus is one of primus's big songs is called my name is mud <sighs>
2: Neil I'm disappointed in you that you didn't get that one right well,
1: I've given I've, I've accepted that I can't answer Andrew's uh, music questions I now I take pride in messing them up <laughs> All
0: right folks
2: it's been fun and it's we been all, real.
0: We all want to go to bed and we have to wrap this up before the great Mark Lamonica wakes up at 6 a.m to edit this and post it so. Good night and have a pleasant tomorrow um, to quote Jane Carton from Saturday Night Live. And thank you again to Colin Stevenson at Colin S Newsday on Twitter and Neil Best at SportsWatch on Twitter. And you can find everything Neil and Colin write and says and everything, every goofy little thing that I do. It's all up there for all to see on newsday.com backslash aisles and until we get back together again probably after game one whenever that is Saturday or Sunday in Boston happy hockey everybody